0: We made this. back to we played this the show where i grill a guest about their greatest gaming experiences as always i'm your host tim hello and today we have a very 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 special guest it's the big boss man he's in the house <laughs> 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 it is uh, head of our network we made this and upcoming network we trek this uh, which is all about star trek it's tony black hi tony
1: Hi Tim, cheers for that. That's that's a good intro. I always think the big bus man was a wrestler, wasn't he? I think back in the day. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. You're, as- you're asking the wrong host of
0: uh, without a mouse <laughs> there. I'm afraid. Yeah, we
1: need to send a message to Chris Wilson. Yeah, and get him to find out. Um, I'm mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm good. Thanks. I will I will correct you on one tiny thing. The uh, the new sub network is called We Made Treks. Um, although oh. we trek this would have been good. In fact. I don't know why I didn't call it that. <laughs> Actually, I thought that's what you put in the post. Have I misread it? I, 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 it is. We made treks. Maybe I did put that in the in the post. But it's a good name. Maybe I should have gone with that. Really, um, <laughs> apologies if I did. I'm just sort of throw you off. But, uh, but- well, yeah, it's breaking news as we're recording. <laughs> is the thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's
0: pretty. You announcing we made treks so yeah that's me that's bugged (laughs) by (laughs) the
1: Well you've inadvertently given me a better title for it so you know all is not lost but it's yeah it's a new sort of sub network within the network which is going to filter all the the star trek podcasts we do into one area really and join like the the broader sort of star trek podcast family out there because we've got make it so our star trek picard podcast i've just launched one about the politics and economics of star trek which is a bit more niche And then we're going to have a Star Trek Discovery one coming later this year. So I just thought, let's create something a little bit more of a network within a network. And who knows where this goes? You know, we could end up with all kinds of we Trek, we something this down the line. Why not?
0: I don't consider myself a Trekkie, but there's the odd bits of Star Trek that I've been to. And I I quite like Discovery. I've watched all of that so far. Yeah, Really been enjoying that. But I think that's... I know a lot of people that are bigger Trek fans tend to feel it's a bit too not not your usual trek isn't it but because I'm not like obsessively detail oriented about the uh, universe I find it very enjoyable.
1: Well good. Yeah <laughs> and and that is exactly they've done their job then because you are exactly the kind of person yeah. they made that show for to be fair somebody yeah. who is you know casually enjoys it wants to go and have some fun. So that's really good. You know, absolutely. It's it's divisive, but then there isn't a, I'll tell you what, Tim, there isn't a Star Trek show out there that's not divisive in some way, I'm telling you. Well, that's it. So yeah. like most like most franchises. And and to be fair, I will be coming back to Star Trek later on in um, some of my answers to your questions. There's a there's a hint oh. of what's to come. Mm. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, we've we've heard a lot from each other at the moment, haven't we? Because we just
0: recorded an episode of my other podcast without yep, a mouse. We did, where we were talking about uh, the adventures of uh, Herbie the Love
1: Bug <laughs> for the second time. You're you're our Herbie super fan, I'm, aren't yeah. You? <laughs> I'm the Herbie super fan, yeah, because the, the depths of my fandom knows no bounds. So you know, I'm <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're going through all the Herbie films. That's that was great fun. Even though Herbie rides again, is rubbish. We st- we I had more fun talking to you about it than I've ever had watching it. So, you know, it's all worth it in the end.
0: Well, isn't that the whole point of having a podcast? Yeah. Just,
1: even if it's shit, just have a laugh. Absolutely, absolutely. i tell you what, though. i tell you what isn't shit. This podcast. I have to say, I've listened to the first one, and I, I know they're all going to be good. And, you know, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I loved it. I thought, I think you've got a great premise here. And it's just good. so nice to listen to people talking so openly about video games. So... Yeah, you're onto a winner. It's really nice to be here.
0: Oh, thanks, boss.
1: <laughs> Big boss man.
0: Uh, and in, in, ter- in Tony's defence as well, when he says that he's only listened to the first one, there is only one episode that's actually been aired at this point of recording. So he's not been shit and not listened to the other
1: four. It's I just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really thought you were about to say, there is only one episode that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no,
1: I'm uh, I'm really chuffed with it so far. Good. I'm very
0: proud. So Good. Uh, so don't ruin the street. Okay, no pressure. Or, or you'll be out on your ear. All
1: right then, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough.
0: So yeah, uh, we'll go straight into it then. Um, I'm not going to explain the premise now, because we've had enough episodes. We'll just
1: go yeah. for it. Um, where did your journey with video games begin? Well... I am a child of the 80s and, I, I guess, 90s. So I kind of... And you've, you've probably had people on of a similar age, so they may have said similar responses to this. And like like you say, I've only listened to the first episode because that's the only one that's aired. So you, I, I apologize if I'm repeating what other people have said. But I yeah, I grew up in... the. Yeah, I was born in 1982. So when I was around four, four or five, that's when I was first... Getting into what what were video games then, and this you know that was the early days. That was the days yeah. of the uh, Sega Master System. It was before the Mega Drive even, and that yeah. and that was the first. So I was I was a little bit after. I remember in the first episode, Mark talks about um, the Spectrum and Dizzy and things yeah. like that. Now I yeah. I remember playing Dizzy when I was a kid and loving it and thinking it was great fun, but. I was a little bit after the Spectrum, like the Spectrum would have come out and like the Atari and all the ping pong stuff. That was the 70s more so in the very, very early 80s. So I was yeah. sort of more towards the mid to late 80s. And by then you had things like the first Nintendo, you had the Master System. So you had Mario, you know, the first Mario game. And I remember experiencing those as a little boy, as about a four or five year old boy Um and you know, I mean, I don't know whether that's too young to play video games, but they were very different <laughs> back then. Like you know, they were very, very, yes. very, very sort of child-oriented, even if they were bastard art, As I've realised that <laughs> um, as a grown man, I can't play them now; they're too difficult. But um, no, but yeah. So that was that was sort of my early memories were playing those consoles and particularly games. I think it was the Master System more than the Nintendo for me. It was it was things like um, Altered Beast. Which I loved. Oh yeah, cool. Um, where you sort of had change between like a minotaur and a human, and you were in like ancient Greece or wherever. Uh, and particularly Wonder Boy. Now, all right. Do, okay. do, yeah. do you do you, yeah. do you remember Wonder Boy? It's not one that I've played, but I know of it
0: because they actually did a, a sequel or a remake of it quite recently. So yeah, I, I say recently it's probably about five years ago by now. But but I that. Yeah. that Series is was kind of still in the back of my mind because of because of that, isn't it? A platformer style game. Am I right? A, I what,
1: a, what, a what? Sorry, I missed that. A, a platformer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It's, it's uh, like a side-scrolling kind of thing. You know, similar to Mario and a lot of those kind of things back then. Um But there was one particular Wonder Boy game which I loved to bits, and I'm trying to remember. And I'm, I'm on Google now, trying to find <laughs> the actual game itself because um, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find it now because it, there, were, there were a bunch of them in the uh, in the 80s, and it might have been Wonder Boy in Monsterland. I feel like it might have been Wonder Boy in Monsterland, which came out in eighty eight on the Master System. So I would have been about six. So it wasn't the first at ever Wonderboy, Boy. And it, honestly, that game was I was obsessed with it. It, it was it, I just I don't know what it was. And I'm not, you know, I've not grown up into somebody who loves fantasy as such. But I don't know. I just loved that game. I loved it more than Mario, and I played it relentlessly as a kid. Um, and and that's the only Wonderboy Boy game I ever remember playing. <laughs> I don't remember playing anymore <laughs> after that. Maybe I wondered boy, Wonderboyed myself out. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So did
0: you actually own the Master System as a kid then? Or
1: yes. Well, I was I was an only child, so. Um, as you can imagine i was frightfully spoiled and my, <laughs> i would say to my and i wasn't for a rich family by any means you know i was working class family in the midlands but i would say to my mum, please please can i have a master system please can I have a nintendo and I, I think i had both at different maybe different points oh my goodness yeah. me how she- decadent i know she really gave <laughs> it to me i know <laughs> and uh but i remember playing the master system more But the thing is, back then, the games were, like, really expensive. I don't know where she got the money from. They were, like, 50 quid a pop. And, yeah, okay, they are nowadays as well. But you get your money's worth now. Whereas back then, (laughs) you get a little cartridge. It lasts about three hours. (laughs) And you're
0: done. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I remember from my youth was, like, as you say, the games were so expensive. So I never, ever... As a child, I never bought my own because yeah. there was no chance of me ever saving no. up enough money to do that. And it was literally for for me. Uh, my parents were very good at always buying me the new console, but then it would be a game for my birthday and a game for Christmas, and that was it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I was in in my youth. Like I know a lot of people say that. Um. Well, I, I know it's a fact that video games magazines have always been on the incline, and and the whole magazine. Um sector is in decline overall but i really 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 poured over games magazines as a kid because i wanted to make sure if i was only getting two games that year that i had done as much research as humanly possible to make sure that both of those games that i got were really good yeah 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it I was similar for me i did i, I may, might have had the systems but i didn't have all the games so yeah no. it was a bit more selective I think I got the Wonder Boy wrong, though. I think it was Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap. And I say this looking at it because, which came out around the same time, 89-ish, because the thing about that game I loved was that you could cha- you would change into different things. So you wouldn't just stay as Wonder Boy. You'd change into Lizard Man, or you'd change into like, um, oh, I think it was like Mecha Dragon or, you know, Mouse Man and all this. And every now and then you'd shapeshift. Into something else, and you get, to, and that was what I was obsessed with as like a six year old. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just, I, I think the the Master System, funnily enough, I don't think gets as much love these days after since the Mega Drive no. came out, but it was great. Yeah, I,
0: I, I don't know if I've ever played a Master System mm. ever because because i'm a few years uh younger like the, for me the Meg, the Meg, it was mega drive versus uh, SNES when SNES, i was a kid yeah. or even or even mega drive versus it felt like it was mega drive versus n64 because although Sega had uh, a lot of consoles out after the mega drive none of them did anywhere no. near as well as the mega drive the saturn so.
1: the saturn was technically up against the n64 i think wasn't it and but no yeah. it never really got anywhere did it the saturn Really?
0: No, it didn't. There was. No. Uh, there's some fascinating stuff to read into um, what was going on behind the scenes at Sega at that time because yeah. they basically Sega of Japan and Sega of America were working on two completely different consoles at the same time that both released within the space of a year, which was just mental. Yeah, so, that's bonkers. The, there was, yeah, there was the Saturn. There was all the add-ons, the crazy add-ons that you could get for the Mega Drive as well, like the uh, the the Sega CD and the. 32x or whatever it was called. So
1: it's just was that the one was, where was that was that the Mega CD was that the one where you you pl- had like where in the world is Carmen Santiago and all that and it was and they were these weird I, sort of not games but not films but they were sort of in the middle kind of thing. There was definitely
0: a lot of FMVs that came yeah. out for the system, yeah. Um, and it kind of looked like um, a CD Walkman that you just slapped yeah. on the side of your uh, Mega Drive, and then the 32x is a kind of like an add-on as well that goes into the card slot at the top right. and you put the games into the top of that. So they were doing... Sega were doing multiple different routes to a new console at the same time. Mad. and it, it was obviously terrible for the consumer yeah. and so they didn't buy them yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, that's that's kind of what ended up causing
1: Sega to fall out of the market and then obviously the, the Dreamcast came out oh. and it was it was one one thing too late by then the only and, thing i remember if, about the dreamcast i was at uni when that came out so that was around the 2000ish mark i think and yeah. uh I, I remember that they had a, there was a Virtua Tennis game on that that was amazing, and I remember we used to it was either that or Mario Kart. We would just play those relentlessly around my mates' house when I was at uni, and that was the only time I ever played the Dreamcast. <laughs> that was it.
0: Well, I had a friend that lived down the road, and he whilst I was a Nintendo fan, he was a massive Sega fan, and he had his parents actually did buy him uh, the Saturn, then went straight from the Saturn to the Dreamcast. Wow um so he was he was also a little little spoiled oh say. Yeah, yeah yeah but um so so I had a lot of um secondhand memories of the sega
1: consoles <laughs> as player two but never never as player one i think well yeah i i think I had the Saturn as well i mean i i used to i used to get a more i didn't have the dreamcast i don't think I was interested and at that point i think I was getting you know i discovered drinking you know and all that stuff so sort of, <laughs> i wasn't gaming quite as much by then and i think by that point the playstation had come out and that just trampled over everything else you know the first yeah. playstation so i had one of those but so so i think i think i think the saturn was the last uh, system i ever had but oh, i did love the the mega drive as well i mean i, I played the mega drive out r- ridiculously but in terms of <clears throat> the the console and the games that were a little bit special when i was a little one it's definitely the master system e- even more than the nintendo you know even though i think cool. the snes was probably the better. I think the SNES was probably the better console than the Mega Drive. Actually, really, but I loved the Mega Drive more.
0: It's funny how, especially when you're younger, you ha- you start all of these kind of you know you're not bothered about the power of the system. You, you just it's irrational loves of yeah. what you had, isn't it? Yeah. Like You
1: you you can't argue with that. <laughs> no, no, and I think a lot of it's based on the games you know that yeah, you know yeah. i mean it, it, it just comes down to what games were on what consoles really so but you know they're all great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know they're all great cool so question 2 what is the most recent game you've played right so i've sort of got two answers to this but they're both essentially the same thing because i i, I i'll be honest I don't play games a vast amount anymore because I'm doing... Like, as, as you know, Tim, I'm doing a million other things, basically. <laughs> yeah, So you're a very busy man. I know. I'm too busy for my own good, really. But I have, particularly in lockdown right now, been blasting through the two Assassin's Creed games I haven't played, which is the most recent right. two. So Origins, which is the one that's set in the in Ancient Egypt. And yeah, yeah, cool. I finished that about two or three weeks ago. And um, my wife isn't a massive gamer by any means and she quite enjoys playing by proxy as in being in the room, watching and giving me advice, which is really handy when you're playing Assassin's Creed because she'll see things and go, over there, him! (laughs) And I'll like turn around. (laughs) Um, So she was quite enjoying me playing Origins. So she said, why don't you just start Odyssey? Because I was going to have a break. Because obviously, as you know, Assassin's Creed games are vast. They're huge and they take ages. But... I, she said, let's play it. And so I played the first bit and then I've just got sucked in. So now every day I'm blasting a few hours of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is the one set in ancient Greece. Um, nice. And it is, I mean, it is enormous. I mean, it is so <laughs> massive. It's its the biggest one yet, I think. And it just takes, and I, I really enjoy it, but it takes forever, Tim. It really does. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember like um I'm not a massive uh, Assassin's Creed uh, fan, but that's just because it's not a series that I've I've ever got uh, picked up to be honest. But yeah. I remember at the time when uh, when Origins came out there were a lot of fans of the series that had thought it was kind of stagnating quite a bit. That were really behind the new one uh, that uh, particular one. Um so it's cool to hear that you agree. Um yeah. did you know that there is an an add-on for origins which is basically a system where you can explore ancient
1: egypt and basically you're given a historical tour as you go i did know this because there's one for odyssey as well and people keep saying yeah people keep saying how amazing these discovery tours are that it's basically like going on holiday <laughs> to these, yeah. these places, and I am. Well, when gonna... you were saying obviously about your wife um, enjoying watching with you, I thought that would be a
0: really interesting yeah. one for, to what to do as a couple. It would. And that... Maybe she could even she could even be uh, in control. She could
1: take take she the could. wheel. She could. That's a really good idea, actually, and it's something that I might do once we've finished it and go back to Origins and do. And I think people you people I think were right about Origins. Assassin's Creed does split people down the middle, actually, in many ways. I've always been a fan. But even I will admit some of the games have been a bit duff, you know, over the years mm-hmm. and they've been a bit hit and miss. And it it was in a bit of a misspell from around Black Flag, which is where you play as pirates, which is fantastic through yeah. to Origins, which was about three or four years. It went through a bit of a duff spell, but Origins really set it back on track, even though the main characters a bit dull and the story is a little bit boring. Odyssey has a much better story. Um, and a lot of the gameplay mechanics have changed in Odyssey. They've changed, I think, for the better, but a lot of people don't like that game. And the new one coming out in October is called Valhalla, and that's all about um the Viking era. And I, I think there's a lot of excitement for that because it's it's a really it's a really obvious era to do. Vikings, ancient Britain, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Well, so the Grimsby Telegraph had an article yesterday.
0: Uh, I saw the headline, which was the Assassins, the new Assassin's Creed game, taking place in Grimsby, and I just rolled my eyes and carried on because. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, but you know, to be fair, Grimsby uh, is a Viking town, actually, yeah. and obviously the game is set in the north of England. So exactly, it's gonna, it's I'm gonna happen. Sh- I'm pretty sure the article was completely speculative, but <laughs> it, there's there's all likelihood that it could be. Oh yeah, I think the, it will because we've got, we've got an interesting story about how. Uh, Grimsby was... um, Grim was a Viking warrior who saved uh, Prince Havelock from persecution by uh, sailing over to Grimsby and starting their own new town.
1: Now That's that's the legend. To to me, Tim, that is a side quest in the making. 100%. (laughs) It really is, because in honesty, they have entire side quests where you explore... And you don't have to do them, but they're whole sort of submissions where you can explore different facets of ancient Greek society. So you go on a whole mission where you uh, end up meeting Socrates, the philosopher, and then you meet like a child Plato, who's only a little at this point. Now, if you followed the main story, you'd never do any of that. You'd never see Socrates in that way and do all this kind of stuff. But it's there if you want to do it. And so mm. that, to me, is absolutely a side mission. You follow the story yeah. of Grimm and the princess and you go off. And that's and and that's what I like about Assassin's Creed because it's so open world. You really can pick and choose what bits you do and what bits you don't. And I like to do all of them because I like to get the full experience. But, yeah, I think you'll have loads of things like that. And it'll be great to see Britain. it would be great to see, like, ancient Britain in that context. So It'll be funny because, obviously, like, because it's going so ancient uh, back to the
0: Vikings, like... They could make it look like literally anything, and say that's Grimsby. And you can't, you can't, you can't go in and be like, "Excuse me, where's the town hall? Yeah, where's yeah, the docks?" Yeah. Like it can
1: just be a, a shit tip in a field, and like just say, "Oh yeah, this, this is definitely how Grimsby looked back then." Well, I, I just think the whole—I th- mean, you know—the the, the great thing about Odyssey is, and Origins is, it's beautiful because the, it's like Origins is all these gorgeous deserts, and you know, beautiful sun-kissed old sort of Egyptian cities and there's one place in in um in origins that i genuinely wish i could go on holiday to it was gorgeous <laughs> i would have just loved to get a villa <laughs> you know, and sit there and odyssey's the same like the, the vistas are amazing valhalla england is going to be wet cold and shit <laughs> it really is like so i'm yeah. bracing myself for that but well, i hopefully think- they'll put it through the rose tinted glasses of video games and it'll i think so th- they'll spruce it up a little bit i think so but i do enjoy them um, so i'm um I'd like to think I'm about halfway through, but who knows? I might be there till Christmas. We'll see. So, what are you currently playing that on? Is it the PlayStation or on? Pier- PS4. Yeah. PS4, yeah. PS4 is the only console I have now, um, and I've had the only one I've had for a long time. I've never really got into Xbox or anything like that, which, you know, everyone, all the purists tell me Xbox is better, but never really got there. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. Um,. Okay so what is your favorite single player gaming experience so I, I i thought long and hard about this because there are some that leapt out at me i mean one that most recently i thought was amazing was red dead redemption 2 that was All right, yeah. that was about 3 or 4 months of, of joy that was that was fantastic um and then things like uh And I think you've had him on the podcast, so I'm guessing he's talked... Matt Latham has talked about Monkey Island. I'd put money on him talking about Monkey Island. You know Um, what? I think he was being very um, polite and hoping that you would
0: talk about Monkey Island. Was he really? Because I honestly spent the whole time waiting for the Monkey
1: Island chats and we barely mentioned it. Well, Latham, you silly sod. Why didn't you talk about (laughs) Monkey Island? (laughs) Because I, I, I came to this thinking, I won't talk about Monkey Island because Latham would have talked about Monkey Island. He's a Wally. Anyway. He he obviously did the same
0: about you. Yeah, he
1: did. Bless him. Well, you know, he's a a bigger Monkey Island fan than me, but we've both had amazing experiences playing Monkey Island games, although he will say the curse of Monkey Island, and I will say Monkey Island 2 LeChoc's Revenge. But I would suggest people go and find the Don't Say the C Word episode on on We Made This, because he does talk about Monkey Island there. So there's an episode where he does all that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I went for, in the end, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Okay. Because okay. that game which was essentially remade with GTA 5 like about 6 years ago. And I have to say GTA 5 is the only video game in my entire life team where I've gone and queued up at Asda at midnight to buy it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Midnight
0: launch. night launch. Yeah.
1: I've never done a midnight launch. I've never been that desperate for a game. No, I, I normally am not, but I tell you what, I couldn't wait for that and and I had it was a was it a Sunday night or so, or is it Tuesday or a Monday night or something anyway? And I had work the next morning and I I, I went and got it rushed. To go. It was funny because there were so many men of around 30 or ish <laughs> queuing up. And I've you've never seen men pile out of a supermarket as fast, like rushing home <laughs> to get this <design, laughs> on, to get an hour or two of gameplay in. So that was, that was, that was awful playing a bit of that and then having to go to bed and get up for work was a nightmare anyway. Um, most people would have <laughs> whacked the day off, but I was a good boy at that time, and I didn't anyway um that I loved because it was essentially a remake of San Andreas, but there's something about the first San Andreas game that is was special you know it came out I think it was around two thousand and three two thousand and four um so it was after vice City, which was also great when we it's like in the eighties and you're in Miami but San Andreas was the first game that I felt like you really had an open-world experience. And yeah, it's funny, because yeah. I, I played it about two or three years ago. I bought it on the uh, PS4. And obviously, like I couldn't believe how dated it looked. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> wow. Like, they're, they're practically blocks, these cars now. Um, but at least on the PS4, it'll have been upscaled
0: to HD. If you plugged in your um, your old PS2 into the aerial slot on the back oh of your God. TV, it would have
1: looked like you were w- watching it through a pair of tights then <laughs> as well it really was. Jesus. I mean PS2 is probably my favorite gaming console of all, but how we got through that, I don't know, really. But <laughs> those dark days, even though that was brilliant. But um but yeah, I think um I I just loved that game. I loved the scale of it. I loved that you could you could drive a truck up a mountain and throw it off. That's what I always used to do. Just I'd never do any of the missions. I'd just get in a truck, try and get yeah. it up Mount Chiliad, which was the tiniest roads ever it take me ages <laughs> all i do it for is to throw the thing off um but i just thought it was it was fantastic and it was just a, 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 a i just loved it i loved it and it's it, it's got a i feel like it's one of those games that was definitive for me you know even though i uh, there are other games i think with better story and all that kind of thing san andreas as, as an experience was just unbeatable I'm again because obviously I was always
0: a Nintendo kid. My my own experiences of uh, GTA on the PS2 have all been secondhand, as the second player just hanging out and dicking about. So, yeah. my experience <laughs> is exactly the same of just like throwing stuff around, running people over, and not doing any of the missions. Not even <laughs> really knowing that there were any missions to do because you yeah. were just
1: hanging out to do the stupidest things you possibly could when you were that age. But, um, Mind you I I do them on on GTA 5 now. I was playing that not so long (laughs) back. I (laughs) I was going to say, like, GTA 4, I think it was, when it
0: came out on... Yeah, it would have been GTA 4 on the 360. That came out when I was at uni. And I remember of all of our housemates, I was the first player to get one of the hardest... um, One of the hardest uh, achievements to unlock, which was something about, like, having the highest... um, wanted rating for a specific amount of time or something daft like that. And it was completely unintentional on my part that I, because that game, I don't know if it's the same for all of the GTAs, but you unlock the islands piece by piece. um, And basically anytime you step foot onto an island you shouldn't be on, you're at full whack for the whole time. And I was driving along a bridge, uh, being chased by all the cops because I shouldn't be heading towards this particular island, in a swap van. Hit the bollards at the other side of the uh, at the other side of the bridge at full speed, <laughs> so I went flying out of the windshield yeah, yeah. Um, so, and flew so far ahead that there were no cops for miles because <laughs> where I landed and ended up. Uh, I think I ended up falling in the in the marina at a point under a bridge or under a jetty so that the cops couldn't get to me but also I wasn't sinking fast enough and (laughs) I managed to get that achievement whilst all my friends were watching and they were all jumping and screaming and shouting (laughs) with excitement and I just literally
1: had no idea what I'd done like it was a complete (laughs) fluke that's a bit of luck that is a bit of luck definitely it's f I I never, I never really took to that game. Number four, number four was the one where it was next gen and it and it looked brilliant. Like it, it was, it was just a game changer in how it looked and how it played. And so, although a lot of people didn't like how it played, I don't know. It I felt just, a bit it, dark. It didn't have as much fun to it. No, no. And that's exactly what they what they got right with five because five tapped into the San Andreas vibe and you didn't have that thing where, where um you know there were certain areas locked off. I mean, in theory, you could have gone anywhere at any point in that game straight away and obviously what they did with five is they had three you could play three different characters and quite often they were they were in different parts of the map as well so it was it was it was and the story was really good it had three really good protagonists it was just that on on pound for pound number five is the best ever one but i think yeah san andreas for me was a bit special It's it's just it's just i just don't know whether they'll ever do another one because it feels like five was it like i don't know what else you could possibly do with that now. To better that game.
0: Yeah, especially now that they've got the online, which do they just keep expanding and expanding?
1: Yeah. 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 So. They'll set it on in space or something. like (laughs) On an alien planet. Yeah, you just go to alien planets and yeah, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) why not? Okay, so what is your favourite multiplayer experience? Well, you know what? We could not have had a better segue there because... My favourite multiplayer is Star Trek Online. All right, okay. <laughs> so talking about alien planets. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I confess, I'm not really one for multiplayer. I, I, I was one of those, I grew up, obviously, as I've said, with, in, with the sort of Mega Drive generation. And it, that was before multiplayer really, really came in. You know, multiplayer yeah. was something that kicked off probably when I was around, ooh, in my... 20s and I, I at that point I just kind of I thought I'd not I wasn't as heavy a gamer and it was just something I never really locked into to be honest so I've very rarely done many multiplayer games at all in my life so um but Star Trek online because it was because I'm such a massive Star Trek fan and because it was so exciting the idea of an open world game in space um to play this that was one I did hook into and I played a hell of a lot on the PC when it first came out, which I can't remember. It was a good while ago now, a good 10 years ago, I think it came yeah. out and it's still going. It's still, it's still going strong today. So it's very popular, even though it did have a point where it went offline and it came back and I've played it on the PS4, but it's a funny one on the PS4. It, it It's not very good in terms of it sometimes crashes. It's, 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 it's just a bit finicky on there. It was much better when it's on an actual PC. Um, so but what is I just, the premise of that game? Because um, I'm aware of it, but I don't know what the actual gameplay entails. So basically you can choose, I think it's of one of three different races. So you can either be in the Federation, which is the humans, you know, the Starfleet and the ships and things, which is what the shows yeah. are like. Or you can be a Klingon. So you can be a commander of like a Klingon ship. And I think it's the Romulans are the other one. So you can be a Romulan commander. And, and, if you, and depending on which one you choose, you then go down three paths of there are missions basically it's 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 multiplayer and it's not i suppose because it does follow a story in each one right but at the same time you will you know you'll be traveling you'll warp to different planets and you'll take place in different um you know story paths and things like that and the great thing about online is you can get in your ship you can travel across space and then you can warp to a planet and then you can beam down to that planet and that planet is open world then and you can play it pretty much which is cool it's really good but there are limits it's not like it's so open world you know um and you know whenever they promise an open world thing like no man's sky which i thought was a massive disappointment um it it wasn't really as open world as you want but for a star trek fan it's great because you often end up going to familiar planets or you do missions that connect in with previous storylines and characters um, but at the same time, when you're in space and you're warping around, there's all different ships from different people playing the game at the same time, and you can battle with those. You can join fleets that you can take on different fleets, and you can get. And there's always a chat box that's popping up with people saying, "You know, join this fleet. You know, Armada mm-hmm. for to get this amount of XP, which you can then buy X, Y, and Z." You know, how, you know how they all work. But yeah, um, yeah. So it's 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 simple. You know, it's not a. I'm sure there are multiplayer. You know, games that are far more in depth. You know, that I couldn't even contemplate. You know, the all these Fortnite and... I sound like such an old man. Oh, this Fortnite and all that <laughs> stuff. I don't, but I don't understand it. I really don't understand. I'm 38 tomorrow, right? So I have I have no idea about this stuff. I'm so old man now. I ain't got a clue. Um, Happy birthday for tomorrow. <laughs> cheers. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, I have enjoyed that one a lot because you do feel like you're playing something where you do have a level of choice yeah. about what you do um and you can you can opt in to the ga- to the you know the uh, multiplayer stuff really which is how i how i like it i did play grand theft auto online briefly but they the people were so mean like <laughs> I, I sound like such a sensitive soul don't i they were so horrible but they were they were bastards well, I think, like
0: y- Dicking around in GTA only works if, if you're on your own. Like if every other NPC is also dicking around, like yeah, it, it must be a very different experience.
1: Well, it's horrible because you go in there and you're a newbie, and you're you're like you're like cannon fodder because straight away yeah. some bastard will come and shoot you because it gives them extra whatever. And there's it no fun in it, you know. It's horrible. <laughs> like, do you think you've just got to go and hide, <laughs> basically? So, see, so yeah, I mean, that wasn't, the thing that with wasn't games familiar.
0: that. Have- the thing with games that have been around for a long time, as well, is everybody else knows the systems and how to exploit yeah. them, and and they're always going to beat you. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it feels like a sledgehammer when you get in that one. So yeah. Star Trek Online is more my pace. It's more sedate, like the like the show, like the show itself, really. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So that is the end of our big four questions
0: that I ask everybody. Um so cool. we're gonna end with the two questions that you got to pick for yourself. Mm. Um and your first one was have have you been to any good barcades or gaming cafes?
1: Yes, I have. Uh when you say Well any... I assumed you had, because you wouldn't have picked the question <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No I haven't, Tim, sorry. Bye. Um, Alright, yeah. next question. <laughs> no, I have in um I went to one I I, I feel like I've been to places that have what you would call barcades i remember there was um there was something i went to with Latham actually to use him again um in leicester a good few years ago now it was this it was like a an all-day film thing and they had they were playing things like ferris bueller and back to the future and stuff and it was great fun and we went and they had a whole sort of barcade area basically um where they were they had you know they had everything you know they had retro stuff and, and and all these pinball machines and all this stuff um and actually, to you again, to bring back Star Trek, I'm not going to turn this into a Star Trek podcast. But I've been to a few of the conventions, and they have their gaming setups where you can play the litany of Star Trek games that have been out for years. You know all <laughs> these different things, which is great fun to do as well, because um, a lot of them are retro now. But uh, the gaming cafe I went to was a place in Exeter called Board. Um, all right. Now, now I'm I'm from the Midlands, so Exeter's a bit. Of a weird one, in the, just we've got friends who live there, and me and my wife went down there, and they'd found this place called Board. And to be honest, it sounds a lot like what you were talking about with your the place you were talk, thinking of doing play. Yeah, yeah, which is essentially you, although it was more just board game oriented because you go there and you can you book a table. I think it was it was really cheap. It was like a fiver for three hours each, and they've cool, got a that's whole. Not bad it's really good and then the, the thing is they're, they're not they're not daft because they they have a whole menu of things they offer and you sit in there and oh i'll have that i'll have that waffle that's like fiverr <laughs> you know yeah. so they make their money that way which is very cool but they've got wall-to-wall board games you know and you can go and pick i found an x-files one i was really excited <gasps> i was like <gasps> oh, there's an x-files board game so i'm a massive x-files fan you know and i got that and i said please can we play it please can we play it and the- my wife and my friends were like, Do we have to? I was like, Yes, come on! It's the X Files! We op- got it open. Could we understand it? Could we fuck, Tim? It was. Are we talking
0: like a modern style, very uh, involved game? Or are we talking yeah. like a piece of tap from the 90s that. Uh, because nobody... there are there's multiple Buffy board games that I've, we've bought over the years that are, are made just to be sold and not to be played and you yeah. get again you get to the instructions and it's ridiculous like it'll be one sh- side of a4 and even that is not enough to tell you how you're supposed to play
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was i think it was more modern than that but it was i think it was more like mid 2000s or something like that but it it was it was incomprehensible like i had no right. idea what the what the objective was it was something to do with hunting monsters and conspiracies in america obviously you yeah. can imagine from that but it was all about you know you you got this card you got to place that there and that play that sends you to this place i, I we had no idea and the, the instructions were clear as mud as well so <laughs> <laughs> that lasted about 15 minutes before we went sod this should we play um oh my wife would remember the game now it was this brilliant australian game that was a import that was you were trapped in in a cave and there were tiles that you'd have to place down that would lead you into this cave. Or out. the idea was to get out of this cave. But yeah. if you, the further you go in, the more obstacles are there, like you know pits and monsters and you know areas that will gas you to death. It was brilliant. It was it was a fantastic game. So we ended up playing that again, um, nice. that instead. But um, I can't remember the name of it. I wish I could. But uh, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a really nice atmosphere. And I mean. You'll know this more than me. I'm guessing these things are popping up more and more now across the UK. Yeah, pretty much every
0: city has one now. Um, that was the big pr- trouble for us was um, when we were looking at uh, setting up our own. Um, we spent a whole year on the business plan, and you know, mm. we managed. We did a Kickstarter, which raised eleven yeah. grand to That's go brilliant. towards it. We got um, bus- two different business loans approved based on the fact that. You know, because we've got a Kickstarter that went well, we could prove mm. that people were going to come. Mm. Um, and then the problem was, um, in the year that we were putting it together, first of all, um, the shop in York Travelling Man, which is um, a comic book shop, they closed for a renovation and to move stores and opened with a free gaming uh, floor oh, no. to their property, which you could just go and play games in. Then um, the high street retailer Game closed for renovation. And opened with a suite of gaming PCs that you could oh hire out. Then, um, literally just after our Kickstarter went live, another company called Random Encounter announced their Kickstarter, which they'd been working two years on. So once they had the money, were able to move a lot quicker than us. And then oh. the final straw was there was um, a very there's a really cool trendy um, little shopping uh, section in York made of. Um, recycled um shipping containers called spark um which was really cool and then just as we were about to accept our business loans a twitter page opened for this board game cafe that was going to open in there as well so oh God. our entire business plan was based on cap, you know capturing yeah. that whole market and we suddenly had five separate competitors so suddenly it was, but luckily obviously it was just before we'd actually agreed to take any of these loans to draw any of these loans so we were at that point where we had to just say this ain't gonna work but at least we were and we gave all the money back to the uh Mm. kickstarter backers and everything Mm. but it was such a kick in the balls as you can imagine what a shame And, um, and random encounter i mean this is at least three, maybe even four years ago that this all went down now. Um, and Random Encounter, I've announced they're closing oh. now. So maybe it's a godsend. Maybe there isn't the market for it over there. or But our, our plan was quite different to what they did. So we'll, we're never, we're never going to know, unfortunately. Maybe it's for something sure. I can
1: come back to. Maybe you should move to Harrogate and do it there. You know the can't, oh, yeah. can't be all those there <laughs> down the road. I don't know. I I think like I I it, I always wonder with these things. Like I, I, there seems to be a real market for them. Like with that yeah. place in Exeter was packed. Like yeah. it was packed to the rafters, and it was it was admittedly it was a Saturday, but there were young kids in there, and because of the price point was fairly cheap. Like it wasn't that like cost cost ineffective to go and just chill out and have some food and you know hang out with your mates and play board games and they had a brilliant selection they seemed fairly established to be fair like they've been there a while yeah i don't know it just feels like it is potentially because board games really feel like they've had a renaissance over the last 10 years you know and that these amazing board games now being made and kickstarted and all this kind of stuff so I don't know it just it just it's just a shame because I feel like it's such a an it feels like an emerging market but I don't yeah. know I I, think, I feel like you've got to have a lot of capital behind you maybe to make it work. Yeah,
0: I think that is definitely a problem. Um the other thing that I because obviously we had to go to quite a lot of gaming cafes for research mm. the thing that I found is that Everywhere, a lot of places that don't do as well. Their problem is that they focus uh, very highly on the gaming and not at all on the cafe.
1: Ah, and, yeah,
0: and that's that's a real bugbear for me because I'm a big foodie anyway. When you go into these places and the food that they're giving you is shite, mm. it really is a it really is a big issue. And also, like that's the bit that makes you the money in the end of the day. So yeah. a lot of these places, you know, that they'll be selling cheese toasties for three quid which seems like a bargain but then if you've come into this place you've staying there for free and all you've spent is three quid on a cheese toasty and a can of coke yeah you know that that's there's often it's coming from the fun side of things and not thinking of the business sense and i think that's yeah. where a lot of places fall down especially like you know you've got to, you've got to have a love of both sides of the business F- mm. To make it work, and I think, mm. yeah, if you've got a place that's doing well on both, the the one place that we went to that we really really enjoyed was, um, and I've mentioned it already twice on this episode. We might as well get fucking sponsored by them, but it's um, <laughs> it's Arcade Club in Manchester in in Bury. It's fantastic in terms of it's just you pay a set fee to get in, and then you can stay all day. Mm. But they also um. You know, they do the cheap kind of burgers and hot dogs and things like that. But they also make their own wood fried pizzas, which are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and they have a bar. And it's just... You oh, I see We've been twice and we have l- literally stayed all day, had food, had drinks, had an amazing time. And I recommend it to everybody as the gold standard for the whole country. But they have... L- Hundred, literally hundreds of arcade machines so you're right mm. about there needing to be that capital
1: there but they've got it right because they they focus on both sides of, yeah. of what it should be i think i think that's it i think that any anywhere that i've come across that board much smaller scale than what you've just described but they, they they had that right they did they they had a really decent little cafe that was that was it was like american style food you know and it was it was fun and it was it was decently priced but it was it was good you know and it yeah. was uh, you know i like the style of the place and i came out thinking yeah the experience was fun because you know you got to do all these things but they had they had like oreo milkshakes and all that kind of stuff and you think yeah, to yourself, yeah. this is it this is what you want this is what you want you want to have that kind of nice fun food and you know to, be able to have a burger and stuff like that and you you know you've paid a little bit of a price point to get in yeah i think you know we would have spent Altogether, you know, we, like I say, we, we, five are each for the three hours, so that's twenty quid, which isn't a lot, admittedly. But then we we were spending, we must have spent twenty quid each on the food and the drink.
0: Yeah, so it's
1: little and often purchases rather than yeah. yeah. So you're talking, you're talking. We left there having spent about hundred hundred and twenty quid each, not each hundred and twenty quid altogether, right? Which isn't bad, really, if you think about it in that perspective. Yeah, yeah. That's better. So yeah, I definitely think it's something I'd. love. I mean, I, I don't think I'd, it'd ever happen, but I'd love, I'd love to run a place like that. I really would. <laughs> I think it'd be great fun. But I hope you, I hope you get to do it, Tim, one day. That'd be nice. Well, listeners,
0: if there, if there is, if you're living in a city or a town that doesn't have a gaming cafe, let me know, <laughs> and I'll, I'll move, I'll move over to you. Tony can move over to another
1: listeners. We'll start a franchise, and uh... yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we played this cafe yeah there you go we we <laughs> we another played thi-
0: these another thing that does my head in about some of these cafes and i totally get it i understand why but i feel like game video games especially not necessarily board games and that side of things but video games are why they're um, mainstream now it's not mm. a, it's not a niche thing to like video games they're the, no, most, not at all. Lucra- they're the lu- most lucrative they're the most lucrative Um, entertainment industry on the planet Mm -hmm. and it drives me mad when these cafes open and they're just kitted out specifically for the inverted commas gamer and the geek culture because it's not only that kind of mindset of people that want to play video games
1: anymore not at all so that was
0: our that was all of our branding as well was our branding was (laughs) We are going. We we are making this as a place that's approachable for anybody. Yeah, but but you go in and it's you know the walls are bright yellow and there's like a TARDIS in the corner and there's Mm. there's a Mm. inflatable Millennium Falcon hanging from the Mm. ceiling and stuff. And I get it, but you don't need to do that anymore.
1: No, it's it's stereotyping the geek geek culture basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. <laughs> Wait, I, I,
0: I'm supposed to be the interviewer, aren't I? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so last question. Uh what would, and I'm I'm glad you picked this because I wondered how long it would stay on my list. What would you like the future of gaming to look like?
1: Well, I think it's again, that's a decent segue from what we've just you've just been talking about because I think for one thing, that increasing acceptance of gaming Really, as part of the mass entertainment media, is a crucial thing because I think, realistically, I mean, you know, you've got to look at, at the, the analogous sort of entertainment forms, things like cinema, which has embraced geek culture completely. You know, a yeah. dominant form of cinema, it used to be the kind of things that the the, the basement dweller stereotype guy sitting there reading his Captain America comics now. you know avengers endgame is the biggest film ever like in many ways you know in 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 almost every way so it's completely now our mass culture and and yes lots of people hate it for that but it you cannot you cannot get away from the fact that geek culture is now the dominant form of entertainment and and by the same and so to the point it's not even geek culture anymore you know you you see these you see these people wearing t-shirts saying geek you know, he's like you. You're not a geek. <laughs> like you, no. you never were a geek. You know, a, a geek by definition as sort of was sort of one of those things that was labelled for video game players and you know comic book readers and all that kind of thing. I, I've always said the biggest geeks out there are football fans. Absolutely, they are <laughs> nerds to the max. Like yeah. you know, my 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 dad knows it, it, there isn't anything about West Bromwich Albion that man doesn't know. Right? Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? And they they are, and they would never ever accept the label of being a nerd or a geek, but they so are because Mm. it's by definition the whole term is about loving something so much you know everything about it, and you are your entire life revolves around it. Mm. So, I think it's all about. I'm hoping partly the future of gaming will be you know an acceptance that these things aren't geeky and nerdy and should be you know not talked about, that you should embrace the fact if you're playing Fortnite and you're 35. So what? You know, enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? If you're playing, you know, if you if you, uh, if you you love to play Call of Duty, talk about it. Do you know what I mean? All these things. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one, the one exception to that, I would say, and it again links to what I just said, is something like FIFA. People aren't <laughs> afraid to talk about how they're playing FIFA online or they're playing multiplayer of that because it's football and football is considered, inverted commas, cool. But it's yeah. exactly the same thing. It doesn't matter what whether you're playing FIFA or you're playing... I don't know, Kingdom Arts, right, it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> it drives right? me mad with FIFA players sometimes. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm stereotyping a little bit. I don't mean every FIFA player, but mm. the amount of players that, you know, they'll they'll make fun of people that play other video games other than FIFA, but they're the ones that are spending 400 pounds on yeah. a on a console to play one game, which yeah. they have to update every single yeah. year. So and- that is that is more passion for that one thing then someone who's into video games and plays a bit of everything and dabbles in everything
1: entirely and a lot of them are doing the microtransactions to upscale their their footballer or to yep. buy this yep. you know and do all that and they're spending a fortune it's like well you know you can't throw stones at somebody else for doing something similar for you know a star wars or world, world of world of warcraft multiplayer because it's exactly the same thing mm. so i think that would be one thing that i'd like to see the future of gaming be and i think the reality is I think we're gonna see a much more of a lean into the v r sort of world. Right. i think i think i mean i i I tried that once and it really unsettled me <laughs> because i <laughs> i've got i it, it's probably my own little thing, but I've got this thing about reality versus Unreality, and I put that on, and it, it, I think it would have would froed my brain after a while because <laughs> there's just there's just something about it that's a little bit uncanny valley for me. So I, I feel don't like know you're if I'm <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And I, I don't, I, you know, I was really excited to sort of put on the headset for the Star Trek Bridge Crew game, where you know you're on the bridge and stuff. Yeah, like. it's yeah. just, too, it's just too it, right now anyway, and maybe I'll change with time because that's the one thing I think about our generation, Tim, and you know the, the general certainly the generation underneath us, and I. I, I confess i don't you're you're younger than me but i'd say we're we're both ch- children of the 90s aren't we in many ways we are yeah yeah so we're roughly the same generation so um i think we're gonna have much a much easier time of adapting with technology as we get older so yes. you know when you when you get our say our grandparents they they couldn't they can't figure things out like ipads you know they haven't they haven't got a clue most of them struggle with that on the, yeah. on the whole some do some get in but you know Whereas I think by well, the time we're 70, I think we're going to have more of a, a chance of understanding some of this stuff a little bit. Yeah. We'll never completely get it, you know. I mean, I don't get the whole... I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I don't get the whole kids watching people play video games on YouTube thing. Like, no, I don't get Let's Plays either. I'd just rather play a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. But my friend, who, who's who's young uh, boy is doing that, she she asked him about it and he said, I like to learn how they do it. So Right, okay. That's an interesting thing in that they're watching it partly to gain knowledge. So there's obviously some, you know, unreason they're doing that that gives them some satisfaction. It's a fair play, but it's something I can't grasp. But I think in the end, you're going to see that sort of continued sort of interaction between the virtual world and things like headsets, you know, and and a lot of this multiplayer stuff becoming online. You know, my fear is, Tim, it's going to become a little bit Ready Player One, to be honest. Have you seen that film? I have seen that, that film,
0: and I think it's fucking rubbish.
1: <laughs> ah, right. But if you if you take the idea... <laughs> you're not on your own, to be fair. I, 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 I love the book more. I think the book is brilliant. The film's pretty good, I think. But you're not on your own. Lots of people don't like it. But the, the idea of the Oasis and that online yeah, world, yeah. I think that's something that we could be heading to. This idea where you put an avatar on, and you become that avatar... And then you have microtransactions, and you're buying this, and you go in there, and the world is your oyster. The world is an online, you know, multiplayer thing. So, well, but, as a complete counter to your argument,
0: okay, I, I do not think VR is going to catch on at all. Ah, no, you might be right. You might be right. And for me, I'm coming at this from an accessibility uh, standpoint, yeah, um, which is that. I personally have motion sickness and I physically cannot yeah. play VR. And yeah. it's not something that, you know, I can learn to live with. It's not something that will eventually... It's not a barrier from cost, which obviously is another barrier at the moment, which will go down as time goes on. But there are too many barriers in terms of accessibility, which means that, you know, it's always going to be niche because the, the I don't think the... Creators of the games and the software are going to go all in on this system of that's going to leave a lot of people behind. We're never going to be able to fully go VR for this reason, because I yeah, there are so many people that just cannot play it from a motion sickness side of things, uh, from epilepsy. Epilepsy. There's people's. vision as well if you if your yeah. vision's too bad that you can't remove your glasses and things uh yeah. disabled people that can't physically uh move in the way that VR requires you to move that's as well true. So that's true so there are there are incredibly limiting factors on the audience for virtual reality
1: do you know i hadn't thought of that and i think i think that's a really good point actually yeah i think you might well be right there you might and well be right. I've tried multiple systems in
0: the hope. And one of my other things about um, Arcade Club, which was great, was that they have VR headsets for you to try out. They had Oculus and they also had the PS4 ones. Yeah. And because you've, cause you've paid a set entry fee, it meant someone like me can go, right, I, I've never tried this. I can try it now. If If it makes me feel sick, I can take it off. And within literally uh within 1 minute of playing Resident Evil 6 or whatever the new one is um i had to take it off because i felt ill so
1: yeah yeah fair enough i i i think i think that's true i hadn't i hadn't looked at it from that perspective maybe then maybe it'll be a niche thing and you'll have people who are able to do that or want to do that so yeah. you go down that road but... i think the the problem is that
0: companies are going to have to provide for both cuz at the moment yeah. there's yeah. um the new oculus system has um the new half-life game uh, half-life alex um which looks phenomenal um and mm. i'm a huge half-life 2 fan um i've played all of the the uh, episodes and everything and you know i've been waiting since i picked it up at, at university so we're talking over a decade i've been waiting mm. for a new half-life game one finally comes out and i will never be able to play it <sighs> That's rubbish. Yeah, and un I'm almost positive unless it, you know, flops and it doesn't. It's been made this way so that people will then purchase the new Oculus yeah. system. But yeah, if if it doesn't catch on, that's when they may look at releasing the game in other ways. But right now, I can't play it, and
1: that's shit. Uh, that's that is a shame. That is a shame. I, I I I suppose it will. The thing is, I suppose like with anything, it will go. Where the financial wind takes it, won't it? So if, if people yeah. pick up on the VR and it starts to become lucrative, they will angle most of the stuff towards that. But if not, then I think you'll at the very least find there'll be dual, there'll be a dual thing that they'll make a game and they'll just sort of retrofit it. Bit I suppose a little bit like 3D with cinema, yeah, in the, yeah, that's that's still around, but it's not as big as they wanted it to be or it was. No. And they they just retrofit things for 3D now. They don't tend to make a lot in 3D unless you're, you're James Cameron. But like you know. You're a um, film maybe guy. Maybe that's how they'll do it.
0: Um, what do you think of 3D? Do you prefer 3D or do you go for two D two D?
1: Oh, I, I hate 3D. <laughs> I think, I, think it, <laughs> I, I hated it from the beginning. To be fair, Avatar, even though the film isn't great, it is the, probably the only film where that where 3D has truly worked because it was it was made by by cameras that actually were built for that yeah so it actually does make sense and it it helps that world it's just everything else with those films that film that's a bit rubbish mm-hmm. but no it's horrible when it's when it's retrofitted and ported in you cannot beat the cinema a 2d imax print or, or 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 a uh you know a classic sort of um you know actual just print millimeter print you can't beat that you know because there is just something about the about that three dimensional image with cinema, which just it it again it it's visually motion sickness wise visually horrible. It just it it doesn't enhance the experience. It just makes you realise it's more artificial. Yeah. The, the 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 only thing I have enjoyed as purely as a gimmick is the whole 4DX thing. <laughs> I, I I went to see um I've seen a couple of films like that. I I enjoyed the last Mission Impossible so much with what in 4dx it was such a thrill right but <laughs> but that's that's a gimmick you know but it's different but yeah yeah well it, it's
0: funny because like 3d at the cinema and, and and vr they've kind of had you know multiple iterations over the years there's been like you know every decade or so they'll try and push yeah. it again because you've had you yeah. know the 3d films of the 80s with the jaws sequels and things and then you know pushed again um at the beginning at the mid 90s then the same with vr like there was a real big kick for virtual reality stuff in the 90s which absolutely mm. bombed and they're trying yeah. again now and it's like i'm you know we might eventually see a vr system that's all right for people with motion sickness and and can do this that and the other and that you don't need a cumbersome thing on your head if you're disabled and stuff like that but we're a very long way off currently
1: yeah and uh, you know I- they tend to be if they can invent it, they will invent it. But yeah, who knows? Right now, I definitely am happy to give it a miss. I, <laughs> think. <laughs> I think definitely. Okay, cool. So that's come to the end of our questions. Awesome! That's awesome! Been awesome! Really, really fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, again, it's my pleasure. Again, you know this. This is a really nice podcast. It's great to just reminisce about video games and and hear other people's perspectives. So. I'm just really chuffed you invited me on, Tim. Thank you. You're welcome. It, it, especially at the moment, it's good
0: to have a, just an hour of chatting about shit and not thinking about the world and everything that's,
1: that's falling to bits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you've just, although you've just reminded us all of it now. So thanks for that.
0: Yeah, sorry. You've got. To, I'm, I'm just getting people, <laughs> uh, getting people prepped for getting the episode yeah. to end and for going the back to, to the real world. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. thank you again. Um, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but have you got anything to plug at the moment?
1: Not really. Um, no. <laughs> um, the easiest way, I mean, I'm doing loads of things. It would take another podcast to talk through them. So, the easiest thing to do is to check out three things. Number one, We Made This Podcast Network at We Made This Pod on Twitter and We Made This new, If you're a fan of Star Trek, as I've talked about a couple of times, if you're interested in that, check out We Made Treks.com and We Made Treks on Twitter for some links to some of the podcasts we're doing there. And also, if you want to check me out, you can find me at AJ Blackwriter on Twitter and my website, AJBlackWriter.com, where you'll see my writing and things like that and details about my book that's coming out soon and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So yeah, that's basically where you can find me. That saves me spending 10 minutes boring you all to death about all these different things.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And uh, if you want uh, to find me on the internet, my Twitter is at TimblesRH and the Twitter for this podcast and our instagram are both at we played this pod yes got it right first time brilliant <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah uh, thank you again for coming and uh, Pleasure. we'll see everyone uh, in a fortnight bye bye
1: lovely job
0: we played this is part of the we made this network logo by Carl bryan Music by Dave S. Walker, aka Kyoto Dragon
1: Elsewhere, and we made this shipwrecked and comatose a red dwarf podcast that you did when you when you saw yourself do it in the future right before we talk about this seeing as we are talking about traveling in time and meeting ourselves i am again i would definitely have sex with myself <laughs> would you as, as two heterosexual men
0: would i have would sex you, with colin
1: <laughs> would you well would you have sex with yourself or- free with this month's issue but anyway what are you guys thinking about this one
0: i'm thinking even if you're telling me that you're nodding you're secretly like throwing those arms around you know shuffling your feet by your chairs having a good old dance along to it you can't
1: not not at all so. no i was doing where, whereas with uh you know rock tracks you might be doing air guitar i was doing air knob twisting and that is not what it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're moving like that up and down you really should yeah, have yeah. thought that one through shouldn't you <laughs> one hand on a headphone <laughs> Uh, anyway It's great Orbital a <laughs> great life right? Collins Freudian slips aside Yes <laughs> <laughs> The Movie Palace Let's talk a bit about The man himself then Alfred Hitchcock This is the first Hitchcock film uh, I'm doing on this podcast I think he's one of those directors That you know Sooner or later He was going to come up um, mm-hmm. With something like this What do you think If you could kind of Summarise it it's so great about him i i think the main reason is he was like the first celebrity director he was the first director that people knew who he was they could put a face to the name and he had he had this persona check out all of these shows and more on the we made this podcast network